All right, what's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Hey, yeah. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Matt Cameron. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm the one hanging out in the back with your kids every week. Uh, so if, if they're uh, misbehaving, then I guess I'm to blame on that. No. Uh, how about our youth praise and worship team? They were awesome, weren't they? Yeah. Those guys, they make me so proud every week. So anyway, it's an honor to have the opportunity to share with you guys today. Uh, Lynn was going to speak, but he ended up having to be out of town, so you guys got the third string QB in today. So, <laughs> but we're going to have fun. Uh, I, think, I think it's going to be okay. God can use the likes of a, a donkey to talk to his people, so I think he'll, he'll be all right with me today. There's some scripture that says something about out of the mouth of babes. So you redefine that scripture however you feel. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to be okay today, all right? So uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today. I'm excited to share with you, coming off of this Christmas season, that uh, we've just been celebrating the arrival of Jesus into the world. And uh, it's been, you guys have a good Christmas? Man, I had an awesome time with the kids. It was amazing. I don't, I don't feel like we need to limit the celebration of Christmas to just something that happened 2,000 years ago, you know, the, the birth of a Savior, the birth of, of Jesus. I feel like each and every one of us had a moment of the birth of a Savior into our lives, amen, where, where Jesus came and the Messiah, the Savior came into our heart, and that's Christmas for us. That's something that we should celebrate not just once a year, uh, but every single day. And in fact, last week we had three salvations here in our Christmas service, so let's give it up for that. That is awesome. So uh, coming off of that, coming off of this season, and I was just kind of praying and thinking, you know, what, God, what do you want me to share? What, what should I speak to this week uh, with this opportunity? And we had three salvations and, and all of that. And I kind of felt led to, to talk about something that is maybe an area of confusion for people that uh, maybe when you first get saved or even long after you're saved and you know for a fact that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You know for a fact that God is with you, that you've been saved, that, that you're in the family of Christ, Jesus is on your side. You know that. But then you go out into the world and life happens. And what you see doesn't look like the kingdom. It doesn't look like the kingdom that you expected. And it, and it causes some frustration, it causes some confusion, and, and you begin to question everything in your life. Because you had these expectations of what the kingdom was like, what it was going to be like living in the family of Christ, and what you see doesn't line up to what you believe. Anybody? Just me? Yeah. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about, about how to live in an invisible kingdom. How to live in an invisible kingdom. So this is something that, that I feel like causes many people to fall away from the faith. Has anybody ever met anybody that maybe had an encounter, maybe you yourself, you had an encounter with God, you gave your heart to the Lord, or they gave their heart to the Lord, and, and uh, they were really excited, but then you turn around twice, three months later, they're no longer in church, they're no longer serving God, that excitement has faded, and now maybe they're even more discouraged than they were when they started. You ever wonder why that is? I feel like it's maybe because uh, they didn't know that the kingdom was invisible. They didn't, they, they didn't know they weren't trained on what the kingdom of God was like, or maybe they had unrealistic expectations of what to expect from Jesus, what to expect uh, of what their life would be like after giving their heart to the Lord. So they get frustrated, and they leave. And 
And this is nothing new. This is nothing that, you know, is just now happening in this generation. It's no problem with just us. This has been happening forever. You know, this is, this is something that even Jesus dealt with. When Jesus walked the earth in, in Luke chapter 17, verses uh, 20 and 21, it says this. Now, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, now these, remember, these are the, the Pharisees are the, uh, the scholars, the, the experts in the Scripture. And, the, and, Jesus, and they asked Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God, Hey, Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? It's kind of funny if you think about it. But the, the experts asked Jesus, when's the kingdom of God going to come? And he answered them and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with what? Does not come with observation or your sight. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? It's within me. It's inside of me. So think about it for a moment. And this is where so many people get frustrated or confused. They think that the kingdom of God is out there. That, that when you make a decision in your heart, or when you accept Jesus into your life, that a puff of smoke happens, and now all the world around me changes, and everybody loves me, everybody serves me, and everything else goes my way because I'm walking in the kingdom. But that's not right, is it? The kingdom of God is something that happens inside me, so that when I go out into the world, I, I can live an abundant life in a tragic world. That's what the kingdom of God is. All right? So maybe, maybe that's why uh, David, anybody heard of David? He's one of my favorite dudes in the Bible. And maybe that's why David could write, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley or the low place of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was able to write this, and when you picture uh, David writing this, it's easy to, to picture David kicking back in the palace eating some some grapes handed to him on a platter and and servants just waving him with with palm leaves and and all of that yeah David man he had it going on life was good but scholars say that this this wasn't written in a situation like that David writes this psalm psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to to lie down in green pastures he he writes all of this in the middle of the time where his own son Absalom was pursuing him, had, had rejected his own father, David, and rebelled against him, left the kingdom, and was building his own army to now overthrow the throne of his father, David, and have his own father killed so that he could take his place of authority. Anybody ever have any family problems? Yeah. David had some family problems going on when he wrote this. But something about David, David knew something about the kingdom of God that when his external kingdom that he actually lived in was shaken... Something about him on the inside, the internal kingdom within him was not. How did he do that? What is that? What is that kingdom? How do, how does, how do we live in the invisible kingdom of God the way David did? So I, I want to share with you just a few things that God's been showing me about how to live in the invisible kingdom of God. I know I can't share anything uh, that's going to just scratch the surface of, of how to, to live in the kingdom of God. And I know that a lot of you guys have been studying the Bible a lot longer than I've even been alive, but I just want to share just a few uh, tips with you that God's been ministering to me with on how to live 
in the invisible kingdom of God. But before I do that, I feel like it's important that we, we pause for a moment on the word kingdom. Because I feel like as Christians, uh, and even just as human beings, we, we're really skilled at picking up language. Like I've, got, I've got two little girls, and it's so awesome to, to hear them learn to communicate. And they do that by hearing other people communicate, and they learn how to say words in context, but they may not even really know what they mean. And I feel like as Christians who come to church, we hear the phrase kingdom of God said, and we learn how to use it in context, but a lot of times we don't take the time to sit down and break it down and really understand what the kingdom of God is. And if you don't know the true meaning of the kingdom of God, it could cause some confusion or some uh, unmet expectations in the future. So uh, I feel like it's important that we pause here on this word kingdom. And I know just speaking to me personally, when I picture, when I hear the word kingdom, what pops into my mind is a palace. I picture a castle, I picture a, a king sitting on this huge gold throne with this big crown and like knights in shining armor and stuff like that. That's what I picture. I don't know what you guys picture, but that's what I see is the palace, all right? But you have to, you have to realize that that's not all that a kingdom is. A kingdom is actually all the territory that a king reigns over. So it's not just the palace, but it's the whole country, all right? It's, it's the place where the servants live. It's the place where the king lives. It's all the stores. It's, it's every part of the territory or the country that the king has dominion over, king Dumb, king dominion, the king's domain. Does that make sense? So I don't want you to have a picture of a castle here or, or just people waving you with, with palm branches, all right? This is the whole country, the whole territory that the king reigns over. So this, this phrase, kingdom of God, uh, was coined in a, in a culture and in a time that was uh, led by a monarchy. There was actually a, a king of Israel. There was actually, that was their government. All right, so when Jesus is using this terminology, he's using it to communicate with people in a way that they would understand and relate to. We can't really relate to a kingdom because we don't have a king in America, right? So maybe a better, uh, more modern or relative term for us to understand what the kingdom of God is would be, be maybe the government of God. See how that changes from the palace mentality to the government of God? The place, the territory where God reigns inside of me. That's, that's what the kingdom is. It's, it's that God reigns, God calls the shots in me. It's that, that God determines, his word determines uh, the justice system. That, that God determines uh, the exchange rate and, and what currency is worth. And, and all these things that, that the people or I in God's kingdom live according to God's law. That's the kingdom of God. It's different from the palace mentality that I uh, thought of at first glance. So I just want to be sure that, that we understand that, that the, the kingdom of God is God reigning in my life. All right? God makes the rules. So it's not where the outside world changes. And now that when we accept Christ into our life, we live in the palace, so to speak. But it's that inside of me, where the kingdom is, within me, God reigns. All right? So, and it's, it's kind of confusing because... Uh, we still also live in a natural government. There's, you know, we still have a president and the Senate and the House. You've been following all of that. We still have laws that we have to follow, and we're called to live according to those laws and under that government while primarily we're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, right? So, and, it, and Jesus even addressed that you know, when he was asked, are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? And he shows them the coin, and he says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. So you see how we're living in a natural kingdom? 
and an unseen kingdom, the kingdom of God, all right? So I know it's confusing, but you have to know that in God's kingdom, regardless of what you see, we're blessed. In God's kingdom, we're healed. In God's kingdom, we're whole, we're prosperous, we're successful, we're made righteous by grace, regardless of our failures, all these things. This is who we are in the kingdom of God, but I don't want you to be fooled by what you see in the natural kingdom because it's, it's going to be different a lot of times. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, So we fix our eyes on what, on, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the unseen invisible kingdom of God lasts forever. It's unchanging. It's never failing. It's unrelenting. This is, this is what's eternal, is what is unseen. The invisible kingdom of God never changes. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? So, moving forward, I just, I just want to give you a few tips on, on how to live in this unseen, in this invisible kingdom of God, because if you can't see it, it's hard, it's hard to know how to operate in it. All right, so this is just to maybe start the conversation in your own mind or in your own house of how to do better at operating and living in the kingdom of God so we don't have all these unmet expectations of what the kingdom of God is like, all right? So the first tip I want to share with you, it's not much, but it's, I want you to never overlook the insignificant. Never overlook the insignificant. Because remember in the kingdom of God, in the invisible kingdom of God, uh, what God says goes, right? And, and God determines, we're operating on, on God's scales now. He determines the value of currency. He, de, he determines the trade rate, the exchange rate. All right, so I want you to never overlook the insignificant. I feel like when people uh, get saved or they start coming to church and they start building a relationship with God, they get excited about receiving some big things from God. Anybody here needing something big from God? I am, it's okay. Yeah, you, you want something big from God and you get excited about asking Him for those things and it's like, man, God, I know that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and my Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and this is what I need and God, I know you're going to provide it for me. And that's awesome. And you should believe that way and you should pray that way. But where a lot of people miss it is they expect that that provision is going to come in one piece and it messes with people. Anybody, anybody, any dads out there order something on Amazon this year for your kid for Christmas? Anybody spend some time with a screwdriver and a little bitty set of instructions? Because you order, you saw this, this amazing toy or whatever it is, my kid's going to love this, and, and you see this picture of it, and you see this even video of, of these kids just having a blast with this gift, and, and that's what you order. Yeah, that's what I want, and it shows up to your house in a box with like individually wrapped screws and, and little Allen wrenches and like a million pieces spread out on the floor. You're like, this isn't what I ordered. I, I wanted the toy. I wanted the picture of what I could see. And I got a bunch of pieces. And anybody throw the instructions away and just like build it yourself and just like rely on your own master craftsmanship to, to put this thing together? And you end up with like half a dozen extra pieces and screws and you tell your wife, I built it better than they built it. But you don't have all the functionality that you would have had you followed the instructions. Could it be that, that God always intended to give you what you asked of Him? But He gives it to you piece by piece so that He drives you to follow His instructions and do it His way. Could it be that He gives it to you in pieces so that you get full functionality of the blessing that He has for you? 
but he knows if he gives it to you all at once, you'll, you'll abuse it. You won't appreciate it. You won't have to rely on him to know how to use it. Could it be that, that God gives you small, insignificant pieces, piece by piece, so that you'll look to him? So maybe in that light, maybe that financial blessing that, that you've been praying for is not going to come as just like a hefty donation to your estate, but maybe it comes as an opportunity for a second job. Maybe, maybe it comes, that financial blessing, uh, it comes as a, an opportunity to save your money a little bit, put something back. Or maybe that financial blessing comes uh, by disciplining yourself and not, not spending that money on something to put in your body that's harmful to you. Maybe God's waiting on that. Maybe he's giving you that piece first to receive that financial blessing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the healthy marriage that, that we're after, uh, maybe that doesn't just come in a supernatural change of our spouse, but maybe, maybe that comes in pieces by um, the opportunity to forgive them for splashing toothpaste on the mirror when they brush their teeth. <laughs> you know, Maybe it comes in little pieces. And maybe if we take one little insignificant piece and we, and we sow it into good ground, maybe God does something supernatural with it, you know? Maybe a better relationship with your kids doesn't come by uh, them getting straightened out, but maybe it comes by engaging in something that they're interested in. Maybe it comes piece by piece, you know? And, and Jesus explains the, the kingdom like this way better uh, than I can explain it. In, in Mark chapter 4, this is what he says. It's very interesting. Verse 30. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? So this is like the best uh, passage to teach from about the kingdom because Jesus is just going to tell you, all right? He says, or what parable shall we use to describe it? He said, it's like uh, the mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Remember, this point is don't overlook the insignificant, okay? So he's like, what's the kingdom of God like? Let me see, Um, a mustard seed. Isn't there another scripture about a mustard seed somewhere? What's it say? Something about... uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's weird, because this is talking about the kingdom. Huh. And what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things. Oh, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I got a, uh, I got a mustard seed here. You know you can buy these at Pruitt's? A whole can of these for a dollar at Pruitt's. Can you see this? This is a mustard seed. You see it? You can't see it? Here, get a closer look. Did you catch it? You didn't catch it? Oh, sometimes it's hard to catch when you can't see it, huh? That's why we've got to read the Scripture. That's why we've got to learn what Jesus says about the kingdom because when you can't see it, sometimes it's hard to catch it and you might miss it, right? So he says, I got this mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds on earth. And he, Verse 32, yet when planted, it grows and it becomes, how big? The largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Isn't that amazing? What if, what if you would overlook the world's smallest seed? He says now, it's not just a tree. It's not like the world's smallest seed produces the world's smallest tree. But it, the world's smallest seed produces the largest tree. So big that even the birds can perch in its shade. You know, so here's what happens. We, we come to God. And we say, God, I have this huge need. Can we, let's just pretend for a moment that the tree actually represents like our need. Like Jesus wasn't just talking about uh, how to garden, but he, the tree represents something in our life, like a huge need that we have. God, I have this huge need. I need this tree. I need a huge mustard tree for some reason. All right, I need a lot of mustard. And <laughs> God, I have this need. 
and I, I trust you to provide it for me. And, and God says, okay, here's your seed. World's smallest seed, and it's like, <laughs> uh, God, I, I, uh, I, I know you got a lot going on. I know uh, there's a lot of people in the world and a lot of requests. And uh, I know, like, heaven is, you know, way up there, and I'm way down here and all that, you, and I understand you misheard me. I didn't say that I needed a seed. I said I have a huge need. So uh, take this back, and I needed that mustard tree. And, <laughs> and it's like God hands you the seed back. He's like, no, I heard you loud and clear. The, the tree, the need, is in this seed. The potential is inside this little insignificant seed, the world's smallest seed, and I want you to take it, and I want you to follow the instructions that I give you with it. I want you to plant this little insignificant seed. You have this huge need, but I want you to, I'm going to hand you this little piece, and I want you to plant it, and I want you to water it, and I want you to wait for it. And in due season, that tree's in there, the biggest tree in the world, the, the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Everything that you need is, is within this little insignificant seed. So don't overlook the insignificant because this is how the invisible kingdom of God works. Amen? All right. You want another one? You ready for another tip? Another tip. You're going to love this. Respect God's order. Respect God's order. God has an order of doing things. Mark chapter 4 verse 26. He also said this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. We don't know how, because where does the seed sprout and grow from? Underground. And we can't see it, right? We don't know, that's why we don't know how, how, a, how a seed sprouts and grows and changes, and a tree comes out of a tiny little seed. We don't know how. So, all by itself, the soil produces grain, which is what we want, which is why we planted the seed in the first place. We want grain. But then watch what happens. First, the stalk. So it's like you planted seed because you wanted grain, and stalks come up. It's like, I didn't want stalks. I wanted grain. But there's an order to things. So it says first the stalk, and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, then he puts the sickle to it because now the harvest has come. I may believe that you can do all the right things, but if you get them in the wrong order, it messes the harvest, messes with the harvest, right? Things come out differently. Anybody ever like bake a cake or work on a car or, or do something? There's all these steps, and you can do all the right steps, but if you get them out of order, it's not going to come out right. So like, you know, just with this example that Jesus gives, we want grain, so we sow the seed. All right, we're going to get some grain that's going to come up. So the first thing that happens is it sprouts. So what if the, the grain, the harvest that we wanted, came while it was just a sprout before the stalk? The sprout would buckle at the weight of the harvest because the stalk is there to provide strength for the plant to hold the harvest. So if you get it out of order and the grain comes before the stalk is there, your harvest is going to be ruined. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is trying to say the kingdom of God is like, and you've got to do it in order. So... Another example, like we all like to have fun. I like to go out and have fun. I like to spend money on my family and on my interests and on myself. That's no problem with that. But if you spend your money on having fun before the bills are paid, 
You ain't going to be having much fun next, next month when the electricity shut off, right? And mama ain't happy. That ain't very fun because the, the sprout couldn't bear the weight of the stalk, right? Uh, young people, or all people, I guess, we, you know, if you're, if you're unmarried, we want to we wanna be married. We want to have intimacy with somebody. That's what we're built for. That's what we're driven to. That's great. That's awesome. That's God's plan for you. But, but if you enter into a, an intimate encounter with somebody before you enter into the covenant of marriage, when you get to that place and, and you're in this covenant of marriage, if you enter into a, an intimate encounter, it may not feel the way you thought it was going to feel. Or it may not be what you thought it was going to be because you took the steps out of order. Right? There's an order to things. You can do all the right things, but if you get them into the wrong order, the harvest may look different than you thought it would. The kingdom of the world, the seen visual kingdom, the natural world, it says that you can have whatever you want, you can have it right now. The microwave age, right? If you want something, take it. It's yours. If you feel a certain way, that's who you are. Because it's up to you. Have it your way, right? That's what the world says. When the kingdom of God says, wait. The kingdom of God says, you are who I say you are. The kingdom of God says, do it this way, because this is what's best for you. You've got to have the stalk before you can have the grain. Amen? This is the kingdom of God. Doesn't it say, um, Matthew 6.33, it says something about order and the kingdom. It says, Matthew 6.33, but seek first, first, there's the, the order word, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. So, all these things, you're going to get all these things that you want. But if you go and you seek the things and then pray that the kingdom will come there, it doesn't work that way. God says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Establish your identity in Jesus. Live, live in his statutes, in his government, where he reigns. Let him reign inside of you. And then all these things that you want will then, in order, be given to you. You've got to have the stalk before you can support the harvest, the grain. Amen? All right, last one. I'm going to close with this, okay? Number three. Don't worry with the weeds. Don't worry with the weeds. Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. And Jesus told them another parable about the kingdom. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And then they went away. And when the wheat sprouted, and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Anybody ever look around in your life and, and see weeds? <laughs> like, they're, they're a weed, that's a weed. And you, you, it's easy to fantasize about like ripping those weeds out of your life. So the, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Every single one of us has had that conversation in our head. God, do you want me to just take them out? I'll do it. Let's just, let's just, <laughs> I'll do that. Let's get them out of here. Master answered, no, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Here's your advice. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it in to my barn. This is the advice that Jesus gives us in how to live in the kingdom of God. And why does he, why does he give us this parable? Why does, why does Jesus use this story to explain what the kingdom of God is like? Because I think he knows us so well. I think he knows the good intentions of our heart. 
and the way that we're naturally going to want to stand up for the truth. And he, and he says, we all want to live in a weedless garden. And when we see a weed, when we see people that don't line up with the truth and, and they're standing for things and they're protesting about things that don't line up with the truth, our, our natural tendency is to chop their ear off. It's to, it's to, to holler at them and, and rant about them and blast them and, and be rude to the people that deserve to be rude to. But he says if you do that, if, if, you, if you try to pull up the weeds with good intentions while doing that, you're likely to pull up some of the wheat with it. When people see us as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven being ugly to people, and, and pursuing arguments and pursuing fights with people that aren't like us, they're going to look at us and it's like, this is not, this doesn't look like God to me. This doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven. These people look mad, you know. What, what, if, what if we spent less time trying to pull weeds and we spent more time sowing good seed? This is what the kingdom's like. What if, what if we, we spent less time sorting and more time sowing. You know, what, what, if, what if instead of, of blasting people and, and chasing people down, down to tell them how wrong they are, what if we loved them? What if we served them? What if, what if we were the hands and feet of Jesus to those people? God says, Jesus says in this parable that the harvest will be greater if we let them both grow together. You guys do your thing. I'm just going to sow the truth. I'm going to sow the good news. I'm going to love. I'm going to serve. And Jesus says, according to this, in the, king, the invisible kingdom of God, the harvest will actually be greater because if we try to pull the weeds now and we don't let God deal with all that, if we pull the weeds now, you're going to take up some of the wheat with you. The kingdom of God is to focus on sowing and let God do the, the sorting. So I want us to learn and I want us to grow in understanding of what the kingdom of God is and how to operate in it. Because you can see just from these few few points here these spoke to me these ministered to me and they changed even my perspective of of what the kingdom of god is and if and there's a scripture that says that grace is multiplied to us through knowledge of god so as we grow in knowledge and we dig through the scriptures to learn what the invisible kingdom of god looks like how to operate in it the bible says more and more grace will not just be added to us but multiplied to us anybody need more grace i need more every day Every day. And the only way to find it is through knowledge of Jesus. How much He loves you. How much He's done for you. What this invisible, backwards, upside-down kingdom is. And how to operate in it. Because it's different than what we know. It's different than what's normal. right? It's different from what the world does. So we can't just be led by the crowds. We have to be led by the Scripture. We have to be led by God's Word so that we know how to operate in the invisible kingdom of God. Amen? I want to pray for you before we're released today. Our prayer team, they're going to be making their way up to the front. Um, if I've said something that is connected with you, or uh, if you have any interest in even becoming a citizen of this kingdom of heaven, we'd, we'd love for you uh, to come down and receive prayer. Um, our teams will be here and be glad to answer any questions that you may have. All right. So if we could stand, I'll pray. Our, our prayer teams will make their way down to the front. We'll go home. God, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to speak to my family. Thank you, Lord, that you would honor me uh, with this time just to share the truth, share your word. God, I just pray that something that I've said would connect with somebody, and Lord, I trust you to make the connection. Lord, let this, let this be the start of, of 
some study. Let this be start of some conversation that just helps people to grow in knowledge of you. Let this, let this message just help people to thrive and live abundantly in the kingdom of God. Help us to understand you more every day. Help us to receive the, the grace, the unmerited favor of God. Help us to receive forgiveness so that we can give forgiveness. Help us to never overlook the insignificant. But Lord, help us to be able to recognize the small seeds you place in our hand. Lord, help us to, to not jump ahead of you and, and get things out of your order, but help us to wait on you and follow instructions, God. And Lord, help us to, to not focus in on the weeds that are around us, but to let those weeds grow together. Help us to sow good seeds of the truth. Help us to go sow good seeds of your love and your forgiveness and your mercy. Let us reflect you, God, as we live in this invisible kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for revealing to us your truth. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody here, if there's anybody here that has not accepted you as, as their Lord and Savior, if they've never stepped foot inside this invisible kingdom of heaven, God, I pray that today would be their day, that they would have the courage and the confidence to make their way down and receive prayer, ask questions and talk this out, and, and just pray a simple prayer and accept your invitation into the kingdom of heaven, God. Thank you, Jesus, for this church and all these people in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you need prayer, come down. Otherwise, you guys are dismissed. I love you guys. No church Wednesday. We'll see you Sunday, okay?